Hallelujah. We give him all the praise. We give him all the glory. We give him all the adoration. Hallelujah. We lift up our hearts unto you, O God. We say that you alone are God. Besides you, there is no other. Praise God. In these times and in this season that we are in, when it looks like uh, people's hearts are not um, in one place, people are not sure who to trust, people are not sure who to believe in, we say that you alone are God. Uh, this evening, as we uh, come before your table, we ask for wisdom and revelation. I pray specifically for utterance today, O oh God. Help me, Father. Help me by the Spirit. Without you, I can do nothing. Help me, O oh God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just want to use the opportunity to say thank you to every single person that uh, attended the just concluded uh, Yahweh to Face conference. Praise God. Um, it, for me, it was quite fascinating because we had to travel deep into the jungle, into the forest to see and observe the life of plants and uh, trees. Yesterday was uh, the feast of Tib uh, Shavar, uh, which has to do with planting of trees. Um, it's important to uh, understand that trees, planting of trees, is something that is so special, you know, in Israel because of the topography and because of the environment, you know, the rocky environment. So planting of trees, don't forget that there's a prophecy that says that uh, the wilderness will turn into um, a, a, a forest or some luscious, you know, um, land. So the issue of um, planting trees is so important. Let's have a go. Now, I want us to travel or journey into um, the heart of the Father because most times we are not able to, you know, because of um, things that were handed down to us by um, those that came before us or just what we see either by on TV or what we see um, in those uh, virtual um, arenas where we have access, tendency for us to uh, copy what we see or the tendency for us to be attracted by what we see is so strong. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in this particular case, you would agree with me that most of the things that we know concerning other scriptures or concerning revelations or concerning um, uh, the Bible, Jewish things, Christianity, our life as believers, is what was handed down to us. Now, I perceive that there is a mandate, a demand from God that every single one of us should 
inquire. I mean, it's like what um, uh, Paul was telling uh, Timothy, that that faith that was found in his grandmother and found in him, found in his grandmother, found in his mother, that that same faith should be found in him, the young man, Timothy. I'm not quoting it exactly, so just forgive me, okay? So you have to find out God for yourself, you know? Um, it's not what your father did, not what your mother did, not the, the life that your father or your mother uh, lived, okay? But rather you, because if you check it, Yeshua said that he is not the God of the dead, that he is the God of the living, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, or Jacob, praise the Lord. So it means that there has to be continuity. Now just look at it. Men come, men go. Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Okay? Um, I'm above 60, probably 65 right now, and I have children, okay? And I'm expecting grandchildren, okay? Hallelujah. And I know that I, I'm also looking forward to great-grandchildren. Now, it is my duty, my assignment, to see to it that my lineage, okay, my family tree, my children, my or my offsprings, it is my duty to make sure that I hand over the God. I get my children to see and know and have a relationship with the Father for themselves. It's so important. I hope you hear what I'm saying. It's so important. It's a mandate. I'd like us to look at the book of Genesis. Okay, Genesis like I always say, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's the book of beginnings, startups, okay? Now, Genesis, and let's look at um, chapter 19, I hope. Uh, I'm correct. Nope, chapter 18, hopefully. Blessed be God. Yes, Genesis chapter 18. Now, uh, this is the father. Um, look at verse 17. Now, uh, this is what he, uh, the father told um, Abraham. He said, and the Lord said, should I hide from Abraham? Should I? Uh, should I keep what I am doing from my partner, Abraham? Now, verse 19 says, Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Hallelujah. Now, just look at this verse 18. The Father, the Lord God, is saying that he cannot afford to hide anything that he's doing from Abraham. So these are partners. These are covenant partners. And the Father is saying that my partner 
whatever it is I'm doing on earth, my partner, Abraham, must know what I'm doing. Now, it's important. Now, see, it says, since Abraham shall surely, this is Almighty God talking, surely become a great and mighty nation. And then he continues and says, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Did you see that? All the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now verse 19 now says, for I know him, I know my partner, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him or what they agreed in their covenant. I hope you hear. Hallelujah. Now, this is very profound because the ownership of the earth is not in the hands of Satan. Satan is not the owner of this earth. Okay? He could be the God of this world. That is just a realm that he carved out for himself. But that doesn't mean that he's in control. If, the, if I remember clearly, when Yeshua had done his conquest, scriptures tells us that as he was leaving, he told his disciples that all power, all power, both in the heavens or in the realm of the spirit and here on earth, even down under. Hallelujah. Yeshua said, I have the power. I have the authority. But I'm not going to keep it for myself. I'm going to give it to you because you are, okay, my continuity. You are the one who's taken over from me. And that person or those group of people happen to be you and I. Praise God. So the earth is not supposed to be in the hands of the unbeliever. It's not supposed to be. Now, this is something that Christians, children of God, must come to their consciousness. This must, this must be repeated in our hearts. Hallelujah. Now, spirits are not interested in dealing with one person. Spirits are not interested in dealing with just one person. In a, a home where um, a family um, is a custodian of um, a demon or an idol, okay? Assuming they're idol worshippers. Now, that spirit has to scan through all the men in the village or in the town, okay? And locate a particular person that satisfies their demands and the, in, uh, uh, part of the contract would be that 
after the father, who is the custodian, had lived out his life and dies, there must be one of his sons or one of his daughters who will take up the mantle of priesthood in that family. And every father or mother and all the family members know that they have a pact or a covenant with a demon. And they have to do exactly what the demon demands. Now, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that for ownership of the earth, the, it has to be repeated in our consciousness, not to leave any gap whatsoever. And if for any reason we have left the authority and the governance of this earth, by governance I'm talking about, um, spirit, you know, gatekeeping, watching, okay? Um, we shouldn't even negotiate these things. It, it should come, that sense of responsibility must be in our hearts to know that our Father handed over this to us and we ought to be responsible enough to do our part in this. Now, this is what Abraham is saying, uh, what the father is saying concerning Abraham, that Abraham will command his children. It, it, it's not what we see in our modern day <laughs> when you have to be begging your children. Uh, I see the sons of Ishmael. I was in the UK one time and I was close to one of their worship centers. I was surprised to see young boys aged 14, 15, up to 18. They were not ashamed of wearing a, you know, the heart and the, the, the you know, the garment that they normally wear. Okay. And this was in the UK. Hallelujah. The parents are not going to take nonsense from you. And they're not, they don't even care about the, the, uh, the government. I mean, they, your dad will, will flog the daylight out of you. They don't care about what, I mean, the government won't even bother to come into their homes. For what? <laughs> Hallelujah. So why? They are wise enough to know that their children must continue in their worship, okay, of whatever they are trying to, whatever they call their mode of worship. Unlike the believers, where the parents are so busy, either trying to make money or whatever, and are not able to instill, okay, the sense of worship, uh, dedication to the things of God, and the children demand for their own rights. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Why? Okay. Why should we? Because our father, Abraham, 
God made the boast and says, I know that Abraham will command his children. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at the book of Genesis again. And this is, you know, I wouldn't preach anything without coming here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, because that's where the mandate is. That is where we know that the Father, okay, this is where he has put his foot down to let us know what his intentions are, what his mind is, what exactly is God looking for? Why? I mean, look at Psalm 8. It says, when I consider your handiwork, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, very detailed. I mean, imagine how long it took the Father to build this material realm. Why? Why would Almighty God, creator of the universe, spend so much time, details, Walking on hills, walking on mountains, walking on vegetation, walking on, you know, creating uh, um, rivers, oceans, the sun, the moon, the stars. The stars are so massive. One star, I don't know how many times, is larger than the sun. And of course, the earth is like a peanut, even smaller, like a speck. When you see all the other galaxies, all the other planets, and each one of them have their uniqueness. Each one of them are doing something very specific. Yesterday, I was talking to my wife and my children, my my son, and I was trying to compare or trying to pull out. Okay how much mathematical calculations, okay, that God, almighty God, put into in measuring the distances between planets, okay, that's one, measuring times and seasons when you would have the blood moons and why the blood moves should or would come out at specific times. And then eclipse of the sun, eclipse of the moon. Now, these are not casual things. These are not, they didn't happen by happenstance. Now, now listen, as a believer, as a child of God, you must, under must, be interested in things like this. Because it has an influence over your redemption, over your Christian walk, over every aspect of your life as a child of God. Times and seasons, seasons of the Spirit, these are all, okay? are all found in the movements of the cosmic uh, 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 realm. But believers don't, you know, believers don't think of stuff like that. We, we don't think about all that. 
We are so busy with what we think are the priority. Hallelujah. So coming back to uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the father said, let us make man in our image one. After our likeness two, let them have dominion three. Okay. Now in verse 28, or let's say 27, it tells us that God created man in his own image. I'd like us to take note of the word image. Man was created in the image of God. In the image of God, this is the second time he's saying it. God created, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. Then God blessed them, verse 28, and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Okay? Hallelujah. Let's look at this closely. He said it, it blessed, he blessed them and it told them to be fruitful. What does it mean to be fruitful? To be fruitful, okay, in the blessing, to be fruitful in seeing to it that we actually conform to the image of the pattern son. Okay, multiply, okay, fill the earth. And then it now says subdue. Now, that word, as simple as it looks, I can say a thousand things. Because if it says subdue the earth, praise God, it means that the, 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 um, the sun has no right to shine more than it ought to. Neither does the rain or the or, or the, the the any of the elements. Okay. Bring us under subjection the way it has done. The reason why um, this has happened is because we left our position. Now, you're going to ask me, how does this concern me? You're going to ask me, um, how does this affect my righteousness? You're going to ask me, you know, different questions as to how this is relevant to our Christian walk. I dare say it does. Because if you are supposed to come into the image of the pattern son, then the whole of creation are supposed to respond to you. Hallelujah. Now, is this going to affect you? I want to ask you, what exactly is the Father looking for when he handed over the whole universe to mankind? Had it not been for the fall, 
would we be talking about righteousness the way we're talking about it now? We would be spending so much time in fastings and in prayers and in all the efforts and struggle that we are putting in just to see that we won't stand as believers, would we? There will not have been any thoughts of anything called sin. There will not have been any thoughts of anything called either fornication, adultery, drunkenness, um, malice, uh, wickedness, uh, cheating, backbiting, and all the things we see plaguing mankind today. We will not have been seeing that. So what would our lives have been? Obviously, there would have been a whole lot of activities that we are supposed to be doing. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I mean, for the book of Romans chapter 12 to be telling you and I, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be uh, um, transformed by the renewal of your mind. Had Satan not come into the picture, had Adam not fallen, the issue of conformity to this world would not have been there. Did you see that? It wouldn't have been there. We wouldn't have been wandering and struggling and fight, you know, you know, like it was saying, someone blesses the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, but rather in the law of the Lord. There wouldn't have been that aspect. It would have just been meditating day and night. Okay? That's what it would have been. Uh, let me know if you are in agreement with what I'm saying. Okay, by making some notes, I'll see your your um, responses. Praise God. So we need to take time out and look at and consider these things. So it would help us to know where we stand and how much we have gone be, behind the mark so that we can put some effort to push forward. All right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, we've seen that there is the commandment to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth. Now, all this can only happen when we bear the image of the pattern song. Okay? Because if you look at the sequence, it says that he created man in his own image after his likeness. Okay, male and female created he them. Okay, and then he blessed them. And then after the blessing, you know, says, or oh, the interpretation of the blessing is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. And he clarifies, explains further that we the dominion is over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air over every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Can you see that? Blessed be God. Now, if you continue, you would see that immediately the Father had created this, the 
completed his creation and put man east, uh, you know, put man in the garden that he planted. Okay. Immediately he did that. The next thing it says in chapter two, it says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Verse two, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he has done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his works, which he had done. And he blessed the seventh day. He sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, I want to ask if this seventh day, if we had reached there, I mean, um, there is this double, I don't know how to say it in, in uh, prophetic uh, writings, you know, where something would have happened before and then is to happen again. All right. I, I perceive that this is what is going on here because the seventh day, the Bible tells us that God is looking for yet another day of rest. Okay. Yet another day of rest. Hallelujah. So coming back to this verse four, all right, it now talks about the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God had made them. Now it continues and talks about how the father formed man out of the dust of the earth and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Hallelujah. Now, if you continue, you will see that a time came when Adam and Eve had their first child. His name was Cain. And after that, they had a second child or a second son whose name was Abel. Praise God. And the Bible clearly states for us or states to us that the two boys, okay, one of them was um, a, a farmer, oh, okay, like a gardener, while the other was uh, a shepherd, okay? Now, before then, we see the fall of man, all right? We see the fall of man, and we see where the Father, Almighty God, put enmity between the man or the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, when you see the word seed, a seed, all right, is a, um, it could be a, uh, like in plant life, you have seed. In animal life, you have seeds also. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, in the animal and in the uh, realm or the world of mankind, there's also seed. So there's the seed of the man, 
where you know the man has his sperm, which he he would ejaculate into his wife. All right. And then there's also the seed of the woman. Okay. Now this is something that has to do with the woman having a child without the influence or the insemination of the seed from her husband. And we know that in this particular case, it was Miriam, the mother of our Lord and Savior Yeshua, who the Bible tells us clearly that she was a virgin and she has not known any man. Okay? And then it's it was when the angels spoke to the woman or to Miriam and the Spirit of God overshadowed her that he deposited a holy thing, the Bible will call it, into the womb of the woman. So the seed of the woman is the uh, uh, birthing or the conception that has nothing to do with the, uh, the hand of a man. But rather, this is between God and the woman. So that seed was not in any way contaminated by the sin of Adam. I'm sure that we all know what I'm saying. Okay. Now, in this, you find out that with the seed or with the father telling, I'm putting enmity. I'll read it from uh, Genesis chapter 3. Okay. When he was addressing the serpent in verse 14, he says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this for your information, the serpent here is not a snake. Okay. It's not a snake. All right. The serpent is a term that was used to speak or address a spirit entity. All right? Hallelujah. It says, because you have done this, cost is, it says, cost are you more than all cattle. Now, a serpent, you can call also um, a, 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 <laughs> you can also categorize among the cattle. Okay. Now let's look at Genesis chapter three and verse one. It says, "Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field." Now you see here. He's addressed as the beast, or is one of the beasts. Here it says, and the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Please 
uh, bear with me, okay? I'm getting somewhere. Which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is the serpent addressing the woman, questioning and putting the seed of doubt into the woman. Blessed be God. Now, here he says, it calls the serpent the more, most cunning of all the beasts. Now, if you would look at the book of Revelation, if you look at the book of Ezekiel, you will see the spirit entities called beasts or living creatures or cherubim. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Cherubim. Now, what am I trying to say? If you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, all right? Um, Ezekiel, chapter 28, you will see where uh, God sent a lamentation to either the king of Tyre, all right? Hallelujah. And he, they addressed the being called, they called him a cherub. It says, oh, covering cherub. Okay, so a cherub is the singular of cherubim. Now, cherubim is uh, when it's more than one. Okay, just like Another spirit being is called seraph or seraphim. I hope you hear. Blessed be God. So coming back without me wasting so much time, the father in verse 14 of chapter 3, Genesis, says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, okay? Hallelujah. So when you see that word, all cattle, it means that he's among other beings like himself, okay? And that, that group of Maybe serpents, maybe cherubim, maybe um, uh, spirit beings. The collection it calls cattle. The Lord addresses as cattle. So here it says, "You are cost. Wow, more than all." cattle and more than every beast of the field now it's important that we take note of the geographical uh, environment that the father is addressing he says more than every beast of the field so when you hear the word field you see that that is an extension outside, not in the inner, okay? Hallelujah. Praise God. And then in our continues in verse 15, the father says, I will put enmity 
between your seed and her seed and he, that is the seed of the woman, will bruise your head and your seed would bruise his heel. Now, during the conference, I tried to um, explain the difference. The heel is the backside of your feet. So that would speak about your walk, okay? Now, when it comes to the head, the head is that faculty in any, any creation where all instructions, authority, okay, and all the wisdom, all right, would emanate from. So the father is saying that he will use his heel to bruise your head or the head of your seed. Now, when we see the seed of the woman and you see the seed of the serpent, you will now see that on earth, from the book of Genesis, there is continuity. I hope you hear. Continuity. What that means is that there's the father, the son, the children, children's children, and there is continuity. I hope you hear. So it means that from the book of Genesis, Satan has been guiding his seed here on earth. It's important for us to take note of this, that there is the seed of the serpent and there is the seed of the woman. Blessed be God. So when you see the seed of the serpent and you see the seed of the woman, you will now know that Seeds are important in the realm of the spirit. Seeds are important to spirits. And seeds are important to the Father. Hallelujah. Now the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that through one man, sin entered into the world. Through one man. Hallelujah. So men are gateways. A man is a portal. I hope you hear what I'm saying. How? A, when a spirit engages a man, he goes into a negotiation with the man and they have a covenant and the spirit will make promises to the man and his seed. Remember we had mentioned that each of these spirits are not particularly interested in one person. They are interested in a long lease of relationship. Hallelujah. Until a higher power comes and breaks that covenant, which we see in our lives today as believers. Hallelujah. 
Now, if you doubt what I'm saying, we'll quickly dash the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. This is another favorite scripture of mine. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. It says, And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Can you see? So before we were dead in the trespasses and sins, but today we have been redeemed. Can you see? Now look at the verse 2. Verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now walks in the sons or children of disobedience. Can you see? You see that spirits are interested in, in uh, creating a walk, or not a walk, a work in people. Now, if you remember, John the Baptist was addressing the Pharisees. I told him, told them, you brood of vipers, you offspring of serpents of vipers, who has warned you of the wrath to come? Can you see? Now, when Yeshua was talking to the disciples, to the Pharisees and all, all those uh, uh, elders of Israel that were contending with him, okay? He would tell them, say, you guys are brood of vipers. And they would say, we are children of Abraham. And we are in bondage to no one. And Yeshua would tell them, your father Abraham saw my day and believed in it. And he rejoiced. Can you see? So it is important to know who is your father here on earth. Whose seed are you? Hallelujah. The Galatians tell us that um, it says, uh, if ye be in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and you are heir according to the promise. So there is a promise that is in place. You can only gain access to that promise when you accept Yeshua as your Lord and Savior. Now, when you accept Yeshua as your Lord and Savior, automatically you become the seed of Abraham. Can you see? Hallelujah. So it means that a lineage is in place. Praise God. And here we see that it tells us in this Ephesians chapter 2 that we used to walk our conversation, the lifestyle the culture, the civilization we used to have, okay, was according to the script that was written by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who walks in the sons or children of disobedience. Can you see? So the children of disobedience, what that spirit was doing was to rot disobedience in mankind or in men. Now, verse 3 tells us, amongst whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature, I would like to repeat that. We were by nature, I would like to repeat that again. We were by nature 
children of wrath, just as others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were yet sinners, he made us again alive to, uh, together with the Messiah. By grace were we saved. And he raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might be able to show his exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. But going back to that verse 3, it says that we were by nature. So which means that any work, any work that Satan is doing in mankind is to bring and tamper with their DNA so that they become sinners. You don't become sinners by doing evil. You become a sinner because of your nature. I would like to repeat it again. You are not a sinner because you do evil. You are a sinner because that a sinner is somebody who sins. A righteous man is somebody who is righteous. That's why they call him a righteous person. A sinner is somebody who by nature, the genes of sin is inside of him. He doesn't need anybody to teach him how to sin. When the time appointed by the genetic writings comes, he starts sinning. If he's lie, he begins to lie. That's why a child will lie. You wonder who taught the child. It's in the blood. It's in the gene. Genetic writings has been made. I hope you hear what I'm saying. And it's not just the child. It has been in the bloodline. It has been in the bloodline. So the child doesn't need to, anyone to teach him to lie. You don't need that. You, you are a liar by nature. Can you see? So you automatically, if you have not been redeemed by the blood, automatically you are a seed of the serpent. So on earth here, you have children of wrath and children of the kingdom. Can you see? And there is a tussle going on of the final inheritors or those who have control over the earth. Yeshua came, broke the power of sin, and handed over the authority of the earth to his disciples, who without him could not have been able to make it to that place. So he fought the fight, bruised the head of Satan, because he is the seed of the woman, and then handed over the mantle of rulership and governance of the earth. Hallelujah. To his fellow seeds of the woman, called the man-child company. Or 
called the disciples of our Lord Yeshua. Can you see that? Blessed be God. So if you now say you are going to run away from the earth and run elsewhere, who is going to govern the earth when you are gone? Is it Satan? Is it his seed? Because the place where the contention is in is not in the heaven. The contention is on earth. The contention is on earth. Who is taking dominion over the earth? Isaiah tells us that darkness has covered the whole earth and gross darkness the people. But it says, you arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now, Yeshua said in the book of Matthew, I believe, that the end of the age, hallelujah, thank you so much, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you so much, Ethiopia. Hallelujah. Now, Yeshua said that the end of the age is the harvest. Uh, harvest of what? When is harvest? Harvest time is not planting season. Harvest time is not nurturing and tending season. Harvest time is maturity time. So which means that both the Lord and the serpent are both tending their seed. There are genealogical nurturing All the genetic engineering going on is not a play. It's a mandate. Did you get that? It's a mandate. So you see that at some point, there will be a personality called the man of sin. He would have fully matured the guy who betrayed our Lord Yeshua, his name is uh, Judas Iscariot. That guy is called the son of perdition. People attain some heights. What Yeshua is saying is that the tares and the wheat would have matured for harvesting. Can you see? Yeshua said that the end of the age is the harvest. So it means that this world or the season that we are in, okay, or this um, 
whether I call it ecosystem or this, this material world has seasons, has times, has ages. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that by faith, we know that God framed the ages. So he's the one who divided the ages. Now, Ephesians also tells us that in the ages to come, look at it in verse 7 of chapter 2, Ephesians. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. Now, if you continue, it will tell you that uh, it is through the church that he, uh, it is through the church that he, um, as he plans to bring forth, yeah, uh huh. Let's see what Francis is trying to show me. Ephesians chapter. Let me see. Let me uh, I think it's three. Is it where he says that um, uh, it is true? Uh, the church that he's going to display his manifold wisdom. Yes, chapter 3. I thought so. Now, Ephesians chapter 3 says that to the intent, uh, let me read from verse 4. It says, uh, or let's look at from verse 8. It says, to me, whom I am less than the uh, than all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Look at that, verse nine. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages have been hidden in God, who created all things through Yeshua, the Messiah. To the intent, verse 10, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you see that God is working so hard to see to it that his seed remains. You are the seed. And the contention for the ownership, ownership of the earth by the seed of either the serpent or the seed of the woman started from Genesis. Praise God. Until when finally we see 
the Manchild Company being taken up to sit. Now, don't, <laughs> let's not get carried away. Okay, praise God. Taken up to sit where our Lord finally is sitting. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I, I want us to hopefully understand this teaching today and the purpose and hope that each and every one of us will come to our senses to know and have the identity who we are. Why Yeshua in the book of John chapter 17 would pray that God should not take us away from this earth. That's what he prayed. He says, I do not pray that you take them away from the earth. I pray that you should keep them here in the earth and that you should keep them away from the evil one. That was Yeshua's prayers. Because our Lord expects us, okay, to be here till the very end. He said that the end of the age is the harvest or the maturity of the saints. That's what he said. And he also said that the father should not take away his disciples from this earth. And Yeshua also said something in the book of Matthew. He says, when you see all these things happening, he says, look up for your redemption draws near. So there's something called the redemption of our bodies, which is the glorification of our bodies. And all these things will happen in midst of all the trials and tribulation. Actually, is the tribulation that will bring about. Because even in the book of Acts, Yeshua said, with much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I pray that the Lord would open our hearts more on this. I pray that we would all learn much more on this. I pray that um, we would all come to that consciousness, hallelujah, where we will begin to come to that place of responsibility and ownership. Because the Bible tells us that the whole of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And that the whole of creation is willing, praise the Lord, is fighting so hard to stay uh, and depend or wait earnestly so that they can enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So the whole of creation is waiting for us. Blessed be God. The whole of creation is waiting and beckoning and praying and begging that the sons of God can come to that place of sonship. That place where we will be able to liberate the whole of creation from the bondage that they are in. You can't do that by running away. You cannot do that by taking charge and growing from childhood 
to maturity where you can now, as an heir, take over your father's real estate. Hallelujah. If you have your um, if you have your communion, this is a good time. If you have questions, you might just write it up. And um, it, when I'm able to, I'll answer. Father, we ask you to bless the bread and also bless the wine. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Tomorrow um, is um, open book. Um, I would encourage that we all endeavor to join. My wife will be teaching tomorrow by 8 o'clock, between 8 and 9, 9.15 maybe. Uh, she'll be there, and I, I'm sure uh, uh, it will be very powerful. Wednesday is uh, the mysteries of uh, the kingdom. <clears throat> that is also on Wednesday and starts at 8 o'clock. Please invite as many people as you can. Uh, you don't want to be um, growing alone. You would want other people in your area of influence to also hear what you're hearing. And then um, on Thursday, it's Melchizedek School. Uh, my son Francis or Pastor Samson, and which one would be ministering. Uh, you have to come in person. Hallelujah. And be blessed. Praise God. And it continues like that. Friday is open book study. Saturday is a uh, preparing his bride. So each of these meetings would help you in your maturity. It will help you to get to your harvest on time. God bless you. Hope to see you again tomorrow. Bye.